0: kids, you are dismissed to go back to your class. We usually have a slide, but we didn't get one up there today. So kids are dismissed to junior church, and I invite you to turn either to your bulletin, the Word, we'll look at the Word of God at Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse 1. Before we go there, I want to say a few things about this series, and I'm not going to say a lot this morning. You should I want to, I'm in a series, almost to the end of the series, seven weeks on first things first. We looked at some very important things. These are not things that we come to and, and then move on from. These are foundation, just like they, they support the whole house of everything that we do. Imagine everything we do in our lives as a house, and underneath that house requires a strong footing and foundation. And so the word of God, which is the first thing we looked at, and God's word drives us to God in his glory. And the only way we have God in his glory, the only way we can see God is through Christ in the gospel, which drives us to our mission, which last week we said we do that mission together. This morning I want to talk about a very important, very practical reality in the Christian life and in the church's life. I want to talk to you about prayer. Something that you possibly were taught as a little child. You were taught to say your prayers. You were taught to pray before bed. You were taught to pray at the dinner table. You were taught to ask Jesus or God for things. And maybe you learned more as you grew up what prayer really was, or maybe you did not. We can joke about prayer that happens by atheists when they're under fire. We can talk about praying at a football game. We can talk about praying in hard situations, praying that Work will go well. We talk about prayer. I I pray that this morning, as we think in terms of the importance of this subject for the church's life, we would see that. But each one of us would be captivated by God's grace. Our eyes would see something and long for 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 this reality to be the breath of our Christian life. Because in reality, it is the breath of a a spiritual life. The breath of a spiritual life is the heart and life that cries out to God all the time, oh God, I need you. Oh God, help me. Oh God, please do something for me. I need you. So I want to look at that this morning. I want us to look at Luke chapter 11, because There is probably no other passage in the Bible that takes the subject of prayer and brings so much in so few verses. In these 13 verses, we see Jesus teaching us a lot about prayer, showing us a lot about prayer. And we, as disciples of Jesus, need to listen carefully and learn from our Savior about this very important subject. Let's look at Luke 11, 1-13. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when He had finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Now, as I, as I just read that, mind will probably go, well, what about that will be done, and deliver us from the evil one? We'll talk about that. And when he said to them... And, He's not done talking about prayer. He said to them, Which of you has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, Do not bother me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence or persistence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, Receives. Father, I ask that in these few minutes you would work your will in causing us to believe, to obey, and to treasure this passage of Scripture so that this church would be raised up, would be built up That the families in this church, that the individuals in this church would be raised up and transformed and built up to be what they were designed for and meant to be. God, would you move us in this passage to obey this passage from our heart and through true obedience of faith that people that are not here this morning, people that are in Linden, and Fenton and Tyrone Township and Holly and Flint and Grand Blank and the surrounding towns that they would be transformed by your loving grace because you did a work in our lives through this text this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I ask you to take this very familiar passage and for the next 30 minutes or 20 minutes or however long we take, you would ask God to do the same in your life. That this morning, because I really believe this, I, I can see God doing a few things here. One is seeds of the truth are being planted in God's word and it starts to sink in in different ways over time. That's how God works in our lives. Sometimes it doesn't just hit us over the head. It slowly, gradually works its way into our lives like the dawning of a day in our lives as the Word of God comes in. And sometimes it just it just comes in like the light was switched right on and we see it. God might, through this passage, move some of you, because I know that some of you in this room are prayer warriors. let It's a term that's often used in churches, prayer warriors. Usually we mean godly old ladies that pray for everybody and God answers their prayers and we need them. How many preachers and how many men and women are saved today because of those prayer warriors? And I pray that God would raise up prayer warriors, young and old men and women boys and girls that would just really take Jesus's word at face value and see God actually do it because i believe he will do it i i pray it could be that god might move in a couple of you this morning and that you will you will take this message and you will so commit to prayer that everybody else will be affected by this message because they were affected And they, God, used their prayers to impact your life. God might do it that way. And I do pray, though, that God would, in a special way, move us all, no matter what your age is, to, to, to learn and obey God in what He has called us to pray. And there are some of you in this room this morning. You have grown up in church. You you have thought of yourself as a of a, as a Christian for all of your, maybe all of your life or a lot of your life. That you'll come and you'll realize I have never experienced this, and it's because ultimately I have not experienced a real relationship with God, and I need to be saved from my sins. And you can be saved today through the gospel, because what we do is every week. We can never obey the text of scripture unless we take this hand that I said several weeks ago is Christ died for our sins. And we pick up the word of God and then with that hand that Christ has already died for me. And in that loving embrace, I obey good news. That's what I do. This command to pray is really good news. It, could trans- it is meant to transform my life, transform your life, and transform this church. I, I know that least from many of you, and especially the deacons that have that were a big part of calling me to be the pastor, but all of you did, we long to see God do a work in this church. Amen? We, when we say that, we don't just mean we want to be the coolest next church out there. That, that's not the goal. Fire me if that's my goal. Our goal is when we say that we God would do a work here and that we want to grow in a biblical way would be to see that God is truly bringing his word and transforming us from the inside out and and when that happens he is drawing other people and we are being obedient and we're reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that do not have it and and that God would do that mighty work in this church and i would say that he will not do that work unless you pray i could pray i could put i could prepare and i could plan and, I, and the deacons could make plans and meet the pastors and staff to do things. I could preach the best crafted messages every Sunday morning and preach till I'm blue in the face. And nothing will happen unless God does a work. And God has shown us over and over and over again that God does a work when God moves his people to pray and notice what I said when God moves his people to pray because anytime when we start praying we may not realize it at the time we'll look back and go it was God that moved me to pray it was God that was moving. God was urging us. One of the greatest answers to prayer is more prayer. It is God moving us to pray more, and I pray that God will do that. We're going to have opportunities in the life of this church in the coming months to start practicing that in a greater way, corporately and privately, to pray and to say, God, if you're going to do something, it's going to be happen through prayer because that's the only way because we sure can't do it on our own strength. We're going to obey, we're going to plan, we're going to try to be smart, we're going to learn things, we're going to go to your book, we're going to go to expertise of other people. But unless you do this work, you must change my life, you must change my family and my marriage and in my soul. And you need to do that work in this building, God, and it starts with us getting on our knees. Whenever we go after an endeavor, and that's what I challenged you a couple weeks ago when I said we have a mission and that's to worship God, nurture each other in the faith, and, ev- and bring the gospel and evangelism and show love and mercy to our world. The way we do that is we roll up our sleeves and we serve. But with rolled up sleeves on our knees, we do it. And this morning I want to talk about the, the on our knees. That's a symbolic way of saying in prayer. Do you re- I, want, I want to begin by pointing you to the book of Acts. Last week we were in the book of Acts, we talked about the importance of the fellowship. You are, we are the fellowship. We are the fellowship of faith. The fellowship of Jesus Christ. We are the fellowship. We are partners together in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are a family. We are have been made, born again in God. And that we are sinners, but being transformed, it's a process... And we are that fellowship, and we are on this mission, and we saw that in the book of Acts, Acts 2 last week. And I want to, when the church started, I want you to see what the church did. Remember how I said, they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which meant they ate together and they did communion together all the time, Remember Christ's death. And it said, and the prayers. So a way of saying they, they were praying. They were, they were devoting themselves to prayers. I want you to see some of these passages I'm going to list. I've listed some of them in your notes, your outline. Acts 1.14. And all, all these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer. Together with the women. And Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. This happened right after the ascension when Jesus told them to wait. They had nothing else to do. They prayed. Or in Acts 6.4. There were widows that were needing to be fed and there was a problem because there was so much need there and the apostles needed to not neglect the ministry of the word and prayer and they needed to appoint important deacons, including Stephen, who became the first martyr. So what do they do? They they say, we're going to appoint these because we need to let the pastors, the apostles, commit themselves to the ministry of the word and prayer. In Acts 12, we find Peter in prison. Peter is, Peter is this this great preacher that many of them got saved because of Peter. Now Peter's in prison? He had been doing miracles. How could this happen? So what do they do? They get on their knees and they pray. And then we have a prayer meeting in Acts 12:5, So when Peter was kept in prison, an earnest prayer was made for him by God, to God, by the church. Or in Acts 12.12. 12. But when he, he, he was released and he was brought out of prison miraculously, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where they were gathered together and they were praying. We find in Acts 13.3 that they laid hands and they, they fasted and they prayed and laid hands on them and sent them off when they sent off Paul and Barnabas as missionaries. Or Paul and Silas are now in prison. They've been beaten, they're in stocks, things aren't going well, what do they do? It says that they were praying and singing psalms and hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and God sent an earthquake. Or in Acts 14.23, when they were sent out and appointed elders in the churches, they were with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. You can look from Genesis to Revelation. You see a history of God moving His people to ask Him for things, and so I, this is what I want to define what I mean by prayer. There is a lot of things we could say about prayer because we often mean prayer in a broad way, and we should. We we should talk about communing with God, talking with God, having fellowship with God. So when we when we kind of when we pray, we do more than just doing this. But I'm going to I'm going to narrowly. Bring prayer down to a specific thing. We do worship God in prayer. We praise God in prayer. We, we adore God in prayer. We give thanks to God in prayer. We're going to do that in our Thanksgiving service in a few weeks. But I want to talk about what we, when we use the word prayer, and when the word prayer is often used. It's meant this. Just like if you were to look up in the old English dictionary, you'd say, pray thee. You mean, I'm asking, a, I'm, I'm making an re- entreaty, I'm making a request, I'm begging for something. So here's my definition of prayer. Prayer is asking our Father for things in Jesus' name with the Spirit's help. That's what I want to define prayer today. Prayer is asking the, our Father for things in Jesus' name with the Spirit's help. It's asking the, our Father for things. Each one of these phrases is really important. We are asking our Father for things. We are asking. We're asking our Father. We're asking our Father for things. We're asking our Father for things in Jesus' name. And we're asking our Father for things in Jesus' name with the Spirit's help. And I hope we see that, especially at the end. But I want us to look at the Lord's teaching here in Luke 11, through 13. I want us to see in Luke 11, 1 through 13, we find Jesus teaching us about prayer. And we are disciples, and if, what do disciples do? They listen to a teacher, and they pull up a chair, and they sit in a class, and they say, teach me, and, and then they listen, and Jesus did. And I see four really important things that we learn from Luke 11, 1 through 13 about prayer. There's a lot more about than four things, but I want to categorize them into four things. We see four things. First of all, I want you to see, and you have an outline there. And in fact, if you cheat, you can turn to the back and actually get the filled in answers, but don't do that. Um, But if if you go to the the front page, I want you to number, first of all, see the power of prayer. I want you to see the power of prayer. We find that in the introduction in verse 1. In verse 1, At the beginning here, we find Jesus. Now, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. It was not abnormal for disciples to come to a rabbi or a teacher, an instructor, and say, teach us how you pray, how you do this. There were certain prayers that they would pray, teach us to do that. That was not abnormal. John the Baptist was doing that with his disciples. Many of those disciples had left John, and John wanted them to leave, because John was like, go to Jesus. He's the real thing. I point to the real thing. It's Jesus. So they followed Jesus, teach us to pray, after they saw Jesus. And I want you to see Jesus' example. I want you to see the power of prayer here, because what happened here is The disciples of our Lord had been living with, had been following Jesus, and they saw something transformative. They saw someone who could they had never seen somebody talk like this. They had never seen anyone move, transform things, forgive sins, and work miracles, and raise from the dead, and heal, and speak with wisdom and confound Pharisees and the religious leaders. He was the one that could cast out demons. Who is this person? And they saw something very important in his life. They saw that Jesus prayed. They saw that when Jesus was about to do something really important, they would look around and say, where did Jesus go? Hey Peter, where's Jesus? He went up to the mountain. See that hill right there? I think I saw him going there. He's he'll be there all night. What's he doing? He's talking to the Father. Hey, hey, hey Andrew, have you seen Jesus? I just got up and I don't see him. He's not with his stuff. Yeah, I think he got up real early this morning to go commune with his father. And we find throughout the gospels. In examples like Luke 6.12, in those days he went out to the mountain. And all night he continued in prayer to God. Or in Luke 9.28, now about eight days after these, he took with him Peter and John. And he went and he prayed and that's where he had the transfiguration. We find Jesus going that. And we see in the scriptures, we see in the gospels, that the power of our Lord Jesus, whether it be in fighting against temptation, against the devil, At the beginning of his ministry or at the end when he fought temptation of his own flesh, whether he was going to pass the cup to the side and say, I'm not going to go to the cross. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He wrestled with God in prayer. He went to his father and he talked to God and he prayed and he called out to God and said, God, help me. We find this in Mark where he was about to go and reveal himself to his disciples. He had fed 4,000 people. He goes up on a mountain at night to pray. He lets his disciples sail across. He lets a storm come by. He's probably watching his disciples as he prays to the father. And he's probably praying for those disciples. And he's praying, God, would you work true faith in their lives. God, would you do work through me? We see the power of prayer in Jesus. We see the power of prayer prayer in that Jesus was doing amazing things, and he did it not in his own might. He had emptied himself and became a man. This does not mean he wasn't God. He was God. He always is God. He always was God. But he became a man in the flesh and everything he did, he did it by the power of God the Father through the Holy Spirit. He did it not in his own strength. He wasn't some Superman that just came in and, and when things got rough, he pulled he pulled his shirt back and had the Superman ass and was able to do it. That's not how he served. He he groaned and he dealt with pain and suffering, and he did everything in reliance upon the Spirit of God. That's why when he would do miracles and cast out demons, and the Pharisees accused him of actually of doing it in the name of Beelzebub, he warned them that they were blaspheming not himself, but the Holy Spirit. And that is unforgiven. And the reason is, he was doing his works not by his own strength, but by the strength of the Spirit of God. What, Jesus, what, what we learn about prayer here. Is that there is great power in prayer. We have Jesus teaching us. And he's going to say later on. If you abide in me. My words abide in you. You will ask whatever you wish. And it will be on have unto you. You will be given it. Jesus is teaching them. That what I am doing. You are going to do. What I am going to do. As I wrestle with the father. As I call out to the father. As I, I learn the power of prayer. You will do the, the God's word tells us over and over again that God moves mountains through faith-filled prayer. God does things. I believe that God can and would do things in this church and in some of your lives, in some of your marriages, and in your own struggle with with temptations and bondages that no one else in this room even knows you have. That God could do that and would do that through prayer. Prayer. Through the praying of God's people, through the praying of your mother, the praying of your father, through the praying of someone in this room who just knows that you need help. I believe that God does a work of prayer that there are people that will need to be in this room, should be in this room, and a year from now will be in this room because we cry out to God and pray. That as we come to the Christmas season and it's a great time to not look to ourselves only but to take that beautiful culture of Christ came into this world, what joy and share it with our, with our community, with our neighbors, with our family that need this Jesus. It's a time to invite them into that. We need to be praying God, would you be working in their heart? Will you be working in their way? Would you cause me to be that person that points them to you? God uses the power of prayer. And we see that throughout the time of history. One of the ways I love to see it is in, worked out in the life of Charles Spurgeon. The pastor, I know that Pastor Jack has loved Charles Spurgeon. He's probably mentioned him before. He was one of the greatest, he's called the Prince of Preachers. One of the greatest preachers in England. And he would say over and over again, when asked, what's the secret of your power in the pulpit? He said, my people, pray for me. He said, "I would." when he came to the church for the first time, he said, I will not come unless you commit to praying for me. He called them to prayer meetings. He called them to seek God for his own preaching. And he called it to pray for those that are in the lives of the church. We are to pray. And so prayer is powerful. And I want you to start to think, what could God do if we prayed? What would God do in this community... What would God do in Linden? What would God do at Faith Baptist Church Linden if we prayed? So that's number one, the power of prayer. Second, I want you to see the priority in prayer. I want you, What I mean by this is the priorities, the priority in prayer, what are we to pray? Because if, I, if I, I'm, I'm telling you that God can do amazing things through prayer, you might say, well, then what am I supposed to pray? And that God is pleased and therefore answers. And we see Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer. We see him teaching us this model prayer in verses 2 through 4. We see the priority in prayer. And you can see I, there are five petitions that Jesus gave in this. And you say, well, what? this is, seems different because in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said it a little different. He said, our Father, this says just Father. In the Sermon on the Mount, he said, thy will be done. And here it doesn't say that. He, he we're, This seems shorter, a bridge. What's going on here? Well, probably Jesus taught this sermon or taught things on this more than once. He was preaching in the Sermon on the Mount early on in his ministry. Here he's answering in response to his disciples, you've done the same thing. You've taught the same thing at different times, and yet times you abridge it. And here Jesus boils down what he wanted his disciples to put at the very foundation, the priority of their heart, and I would say that as you think about your own prayer life, because if you are a Christian today, you are called to you are called to breathe spiritually, and breathing spiritually is prayer. You are called to breathe spiritually, prayer, and you say, "Well, what do I pray? I want you, I want you to see these five things, but they're actually summed up in two things. They 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 they, they, they express two strong realities. But I want us to see these five priorities in prayer, and here they are. And I'll list what the words are for. Number one, he says, be glorified. Or, as the text says here, hallowed be your name. Be glorified, Jesus is saying. When you pray, pray, Father. This is really important. I'm going to wrap up with this at the end, so I'm going to hold off on the Father side of it. But he says, be glorified. When we pray and want to see the power of prayer, we need to realize that we need to start to have a desire that God desires. And we, we come to, this is humbling because we quickly find that we don't actually love God's glory like we ought to love God's glory. And so we say, God, help me to love your glory. And help, would you be glorified in my own life? Hallowed be your name. He says, our, our the first petition is that we, our first prayer request or priority that each one of us in our church, and our family, in our inter, in individual life is we need to pray, God, be glorified. Show yourself. Show, what, what does it mean to be glorified? It means, God, would you show your wisdom? Would you show your might? Would you show your love and your kindness and all your attributes? Would you show that? Would you show it in my life? Would you be glorified? And we start going through. Would you be hallowed? That, that's the word hallowed. It's an old word. Would you be glorified in my life? Would you be glorified in my family, my spouse? Would you be glorified in my thought life? Would you be glorified in my church and in my relationships at the church? Would you be glorified in my in my job? And would you be glorified? You, and you start going and say, God, and its it's a heart that says, I want you first, God, in everything. Sounds a lot like, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. But then he moves on and he says, pray your kingdom come, or as I would say, bring your power on earth. And there's a two side to this. There is a cry that when we pray this prayer or this priority, we say, God, come, like we sang just this morning. Even so, Lord, even so, Lord, come. Would you come and and deliver us the second coming. Would you come, Lord? Come quickly, Lord. But there is another side in which God's people say, God, but first, will you come in power? Would you bring your kingdom? The idea of your kingdom come is bring your kingdom in power here right now with the church. Would you bring your kingdom in power in my family and in my own heart? Will you come and bring your power in my neighborhood? Would you come and bring your power in our school system? Would you come and bring your power? Would you do it in, in, in the name for the nations? Would you come and please do a work? Come, bring it where it... And we, in the Lord's Prayer from Matthew 5, in, in heaven, as it is in heaven, make it happen here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you seen the, what those first two prayer requests? It's often been called petitions. That's a fancy word for saying prayer request. The, these first two petitions or prayer requests. We are to pray, be glorified, God, and we are to pray, make your power come on earth. Come right here. Come here. I need you to do a work. What for that to happen? We are saying, we are praying to God. God. I want to be devoted to you. I want to be devoted to your power, to your agenda, your way. I want your priorities. I want your name to be lifted up, not my name to be lifted up. And in reality, it's an expression of saying, I want to love you. I want to love you more than all the other things that I would first pray. I want to love you. I need you. That is what Jesus was teaching them to pray. Pray, put God first. Your name your name be hallowed your kingdom come or be glorified bring your power on earth as we pray for this church as we pray for each other we need to pray god the greatest thing that we need in my family is that you your name would be lifted up the greatest thing that could happen for the, the person that you're struggling with or the person that you know is suffering is god be glorified and bring your power here on earth That's what he tells us to pray first. And then in the next three petitions or the next three prayer requests, three, four, and five, he gives us expressions that relate to our needs. He says, give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. Protect us. See that? Number three, he says, meet our needs. That's where I put number three. I put meet our needs. Give us daily bread. Jesus said, "Pray this. Give us our daily bread." Surely He means pray for the things that you have needed, the things that you feel burdened on. That's the things that we usually jump to right away. Today, this afternoon, tomorrow morning, when you wake up, you get up and say, "God, would you be hallowed? Would you please bring your power today on earth?" But you're also praying, "God, I need your help to get through this day because work has been really tough." And I need your strength. And God, I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. Would you provide for my needs and would you show me what I'm supposed to do? God, would you provide for my family because things are tough at school and I don't know how to help shepherd shepherd my daughter or my son. I don't know. Or God, help me because I'm going to school today and school has been very tough lately. I need you to give me daily bread. When we say daily bread, it surely means the physical things like little daily bread. Which in Jesus' time, that wasn't so easy to get as it is for us today in America. But it means beyond that, to to daily bread means meet our needs. And if you are human here this morning, you have needs. You have burdens. And they come in forms of physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs. God help me. I need you. That's number three. Number four, He gives us. He says you should pray. Give me my me my needs. Number four, forgive and help me to forgive. This is powerful. God calls us every day. God calls us to make as a priority of prayer a reminder that we need God's ever forgiveness. That we are sinners, even though He saved us. This is kind of like keeping accounts. This is God. He says, "If we confess our sins, He is faithful to forgive us." But He says, "Pray, forgive me of my sins, because every day we go and we sin, and we we break God's law, we do not do what He tells us to do, and we we pray, God, forgive me of my sins." And He says, "Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us." And and we are we are to pray, God forgive me and oh god help me to remember help me to forgive those against me help me to rem- help me not to treat others like i would want to treat them instead treat them like you treat me you forgive me how can i not forgive you and there are you in the- you are in this room that you need god's forgiveness this morning and you need to know that you are forgiven in jesus christ if you look to him and you need to forgive those that have hurt you. That doesn't mean making believe that it never happened, because it did happen. It means absorbing that hurt, not ignoring that hurt. Absorbing it and giving it to Jesus and saying, "Jesus, in you I have forgiveness, and in you I have the only ability to have the power to forgive." And forgiveness is a process; it's not an event for us when we have to forgive someone else. It is a process, not an event, because it's not easy, and it just doesn't happen like that, and it's just not easy. It's a a choice to continue and say, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to have an attitude to forgive. I'm not going to bring the faults of someone else that have wronged me in the past. I'm not going to repeatedly bring them against them because I have forgiven them. He says, we pray, forgive and help us to forgive, and lastly, protection from within and without. Lead us not to temptation, deliver us from evil. He says, protect us, protect, pray, protect me from temptation, protect me from the evil one, protect me from my own sin and protect me from outside evil that would come. That's what Jesus tells us to pray. And we need to pray that we Jesus said here to pray these words. And in Matthew, he says, pray like this. So we are in a faith Baptist church. And if you've noticed, we don't week after week do what a lot of formal churches or liturgical formal churches will do, where they actually read the Lord's Prayer and pray it every time. We normally don't do that, and primarily because we do not want to make this a rote memory. This is all we do, and we don't think about it. It wouldn't be bad for us to do it, because Jesus here says, when you pray, pray this. We should pray this. So I think we should pray this, but we should also pray, let this teach us how we to pray. We are to pray like this. We are to pray with these priorities in mind. These are very important. So I w- there's the priority of prayer. What I want you to see lastly are the two main last two things that, from your outline. Three, the persistence of prayer. I believe that you're like me. That this church is like any other church is that you have prayed for things and you have prayed for things and prayed for things and you have not seen the answer right away. You have cried out for that 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 son who is wayward. You have cried out for that problem that has ailed you or has has been hurting you on and off forever it seems, and it doesn't seem like you have had an answer. You have asked God to do something and it, you wonder why something hasn't changed. There hasn't been a breakthrough. There hasn't been something like this. Jesus cuts that off or he brings that objection right away because he knows that we pray for things and we don't immediately experience deliverance. And Jesus says, I want you to teach, thirdly, the persistence of prayer, the type of prayer that has power, makes these things a priority and he does not quit in his prayer. And what he does is he tells us this amazing, this short little story about a man who has a guest and it would be totally embarrassing for him if he could not feed this guest. It's just a... It's the right thing to do. He is shamed in his culture if he can't feed his this guest that comes in. And so what does he do? He goes to his neighbor. He can't go to Walmart because it's not open. He can't go to any other market in his time because it wouldn't be open. So he knocks on his neighbor's door, and he says, please give me something. His neighbor is in bed. His family is all together. If he gets up, he wakes everybody up. He's got to turn the lamps on. He's got to do all this. He's not going to get up easily. And what this story tells us is, he says, his friend next door isn't going to get up and give him food so he can actually feed his guest. Because he's a friend. No way. But because he keeps badgering him. Because he keeps knocking. Because he keeps saying, come on. If, if I'm going to be here all night until you give me something. Because I am not going to shame myself by not feeding this guest. Why is Jesus telling us this story? He says, I want you to be persistent like that. If if that friend won't do it, but only for persistence, how much more will your loving father give to you that you day and night cry out to him? This reminds us of of another teaching, not Not long after, Jesus told them about the persistent widow in Luke 18 where Jesus said, Be like a widow who she has received injustice and goes to a judge and will not stop bugging the judge until that judge says, Okay, I'm not doing it because I'm righteous. I'm doing it just to get you off my back. Now, Jesus told these stories to say, Your father isn't an unjust judge. Or a bad neighbor who won't get up. He's greater than that. And if those bad ones will get up and do it through persistence. How much more will a loving father who gave his son for you. In fact, that Jesus, not saying, Jesus hadn't been given yet, but we now look back. Will he hear you and do a work? What we find here is Jesus is calling us to persistence. We need to be a people that pray and we do not stop praying. And so what I ask you, to, if, if, you were to see, if you were to see God do a work in your family or in your community or in your neighborhood or in this building, we can't say we already did that. We already tried that. God says, pray and do not give up. Pray and do not faint. Pray and seek me and do not stop praying me, to me. And so I want to co- conclude with this last thing. And that's the promise of prayer. What we find in these last verses, verses 9 through 13, we see the promise of prayer, and we see it by two sayings. The first saying is Jesus uses this, this repetitive ask and seek and knock. Look at verse 9. And I tell you, ask. I tell you. Jesus says, I tell you, ask and it will be given. Seek and you will find. The one who saved you, Faith Baptist Church. The one who came and prayed for your redemption. The one that came and laid, stretched out his arms and took your guilt upon himself. The one who died for your sins says, I tell you, ask and it shall be given. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who find, seeks finds. The one who knocks it will be opened. And then he gives a concluding saying about a father. Because remember, he said, when you pray, pray, Father. What father among you, if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If 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 you ask your father for an egg, would he give him something dangerous like a scorpion? If you are evil, comparatively speaking, you're a sinner, you are evil compared to God, the Father... You know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? What Jesus is saying, there is a promise in prayer. That God answers prayer. He works powerfully through prayer. And you need to ask. You need to seek. And you need to find. Now I want to go back to my definition of prayer. As we conclude. Prayer is our asking the Father... Four things in Jesus' name with the Spirit's help. Who gives us the Word of God? Who gave us this Word this morning? The Spirit. God gave it through His Word in the Spirit. The Spirit's help guides us to pray as we need. We don't know sometimes how to pray. We, there are times where we know. We just pray our hearts. We cry out to God. But this, the Spirit calls us to pray these things... To pray them believing that a father, our father, has called us to pray these things, and they, they relate to everything that our heart longs for. The things that you cry out this morning, that your heart is longing for, that you need to happen You go to God and say, God, would you do that? But, oh God, insofar as I submit myself to your glory and your kingdom to come and meet my needs and forgive me of my sins and help me to forgive, and God, would you protect me? God says he's going to do it. He says he will do it. But he does it in Jesus' name. Not one of us can come and call God Father. Because we were born human. It is not a Christian creed that says that God is the Father of us all. He is the Father of all who come to Him through Jesus Christ and are saved. That is what He is truly our Father. And we can that we do call and every one of you have the right to call him father only if you have come to him by faith in Jesus Christ. And so I want to offer to you once again this morning that you can receive a true father. You can tr- receive a true father who will never ever give you a scorpion, even though your father did, metaphorically. He gave, even though the fathers or the people in your life might have given you something that was painful, this father will never truly, truly give you something like a serpent or a scorpion. Instead, he will give you true life because he gave you everything in the gospel. In the gospel... Of Jesus Christ, that Christ died for our sins, for everyone who comes to him, turns away from their own righteousness, their own ability to do anything, and comes to God by faith. If you receive that, the gospel is yours, and the gospel says, this father that you pray to has already given everything of his. In his son first... That he did not spare, but gave up for you all, and his spirit that he gave, so that once you become his son, you can fight temptation and 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 live a life being transformed little by little by his kindness and his grace. That's what we come. That's our hope. Let's be prayers this week, this year. Let's go to God as a church saying, God, I'm going to ask you for things, Father, in Jesus' name. Because Jesus is my passport into heaven with prayer. I come and say, Jesus, you have it. Jesus is my credentials before God. God would say, why should I listen to you, Jesus? Okay, I'm listening. Jesus doesn't let anything but righteousness in his presence. We come in the righteousness of Jesus, and we are righteous indeed. If we receive Christ, let's pray. Father, I pray that those this morning here that need that would come and receive Jesus. And for the many here that have already received him, would again love it and would pray like they are truly children. They would pray pleading because they are children made by their big brother, Jesus Christ, who died for them. And gave himself up for them. God, I pray that you would be hallowed in this midst. You would be glorified. And your kingdom would come in a greater way. I pray that you would meet our needs this morning. Meet all of them. We have needs. that There are needs here that are, are, are pain and hurt. That you need to come. And would you do that? Would you meet those needs? And would you forgive us? Thank you for that forgiveness. Would you forgive us of sins of Vengeance and grudge and sins of the tongue and sins of lust and sins of selfishness. And, oh God, thank you that you do. And so thank you that you can help us to forgive others and protect us this week. And, oh Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. To mention several announcements,
1: this is a time
0: to be sent off, and we sent off as a as a family, as a community. So I'm going to share several slides up here, a few things that you got in your email, or in the bulletin, and few that aren't mentioned in here. One is, um, we are this week. Pastor West is having parent pastor conferences, and there's sign ups there. there. Most of them are, I think, early evening for you to sign up with. You meet with them about your teen, and it's just a way of you connecting and being able to pray for and share and be able to be a, a, the best parent you can be to help and helping Pastor West to be the best pastor he can be for your students or for the youth. And so, please sign up for that. Related to youth ministry, we have we have a practical need, and that's a, a, over a projector that hangs on the wall so that they can have for their slides and for. For watching movies or watching films, videos, they watch things on apologetics or in teaching and all of that in the youth room. We have probably a ten-year-old projector. It's worked well, but now it's very loud and it's not very bright. And so we we found something for about six hundred bucks. It's less than that, and someone already sent in a donation for two hundred for that. And so we need a little bit more to, to be able to purchase that. And, and if God provides through you, that would be a blessing. And would you pray that God would provide for that? Thank you. Uh, ladies, Dine Out will be uh, coming up here on the 10th, so that's this week, Tuesday. Um, Operation Christmas Child is, is next week, and so if you signed up or bringing something, uh, take note of that. In just a few weeks, just two weeks from today, we're going to have our annual business meeting. We will be getting the annual budget out to you pretty soon, but we're we have our budget meeting. We are voting in officers. Um, for the church some new deacons as well as church clerk and nominating committee as well as I'm going to be sharing something with you something new that will be coming to faith and I hope we, you can join us for that that's going to be just right after the service we'll try to make it as quick as possible on the 22nd um, and then and then also join us that Thanksgiving week we're on, on Thanksgiving week Tuesday we won't be having a Wednesday evening. Activities, The youth ministry and youth group won't be meeting, but on Tuesday night, as a church, we'll gather at 7 o'clock for Thanksgiving Pie and Praise. Uh, There's going to be a sign-up for you guys to bring pies. We'll we'll worship God, have communion together, and then have communion through eating together afterwards. Join us for that. There's also uh, the Linden Holiday Happening that's coming up. I think they'll be having a practice right after uh, today if you wanted to join them. Um, And the Linden holiday happening is actually going to be Friday, December 4th at 7 p.m., and so make note of that. And then we're having Christmas caroling this year. We're going to have 6 p.m. on Sunday, December 6th. We'll have a chili dinner to follow, And, and so take note of that. One last thing. For those that are seniors here, Molly and I are hosting a party for you at the Spencer House, at Steve Spencer's house, hopefully December 3rd. We're getting that confirmed, so hopefully Wednesday, December 3rd, we'll, we'll, try, we'll try to send something out, but we need to confirm that hopefully next week. And so we'll look forward to doing that on a Wednesday afternoon, December 3rd. So, let's go in the name of the Lord, in, in, in the grace of our Father. And so here is the benediction. So may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord cause his face to shine on you, and may he lift up his countenance on you and give you his peace. And God's people said, you are dismissed.